Well, good morning. Glad you're with us, and I do hope that you'll register and join us for the marriage conference at the end of this month. Uh, I had the privilege of going to school with Brad, who will be our speaker, and he is a lot type A, not just a little type A, a lot type A. We were in the Bible teaching program together, and so I look forward, Jackie does as well, as we sit under his teaching for this marriage event. So if you're married or are planning to get married, I encourage you to register and join us at the end of the month. All right, if you have a Bible with you, would you turn with me, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So we look at the scriptures together, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Last week we spent uh, most of our time in verse 5 as we looked at verse 4 and 5, but we looked at verse 5 because Paul was remembering back how he had delivered the gospel to that city there at Thessalonica, and we likened it in some ways to uh, what it's like to deliver pizza, except the gospel's a lot more valuable than uh, pepperoni pizza. But there are some delivery similarities, and he declared, as he remembered how he delivered the gospel to them, this in verse 5. Here's where we spent most of our time last week, if you weren't with us. For our gospel did not come to you in word only. It did come in word, but not word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. So it was all about gospel delivery, how we are privileged as we just declared in our identity that we are instruments of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. And for them to find life in Jesus, they must hear the gospel. So we cannot deliver the gospel with our lives only. It has to be put to words. Yes, words. We have to speak it or give it to it in words in writing or declare it in song. It has to be put to words for people to receive. But not only words, it has to be words spoken in the power of the Spirit and the hope and the confidence we have as believers is the Holy Spirit is in us so that when we declare the gospel, we can declare it in power. But it's not only power of the Holy Spirit in us, we are dependent that as we speak, the Holy Spirit speaks to the person who is hearing the gospel so that the Spirit at work in us delivered in words, but also the Holy Spirit at work in the here. And then as we speak, our lives do speak. Either they speak a message by how we live that reinforces the words we're saying or undermines the words that we are saying. So that's how Paul took the gospel to Thessalonica. Now, I taught that passage last week for a very specific reason. We spoke, we, we focused on verse five so that you would by God's grace and power, declare the gospel this past week. I wonder if you took that opportunity because the word of God is not to be heard only, it's to be heard and then acted upon. So I don't know if you did or not. I was encouraged by this email individual, a man who said, I talked with a sales rep today. Our discussion went personal and then spiritual and then to the gospel. So you can imagine being a, talking to a guy at work 
Individual in your neighborhood starts personal, then goes spiritual, but didn't stop with spiritual, goes gospel. He says, he mentioned someone I know, so when the time was right, I shared that I knew that man also from Bible study. We talked, he talked about growing up in several different church affiliations and that he doesn't attend anymore since on his own. I asked why not, and then listened. Remember, we talked about the, the importance of not only speaking, but that we speak in a way that really addresses the hearer. We've listened. We've asked a question, and we've listened. So I hope you listened as well as you spoke in the past week. It says, along the way, the Holy Spirit allowed me to share portions of my testimony, my story, along with key components of the gospel, none of which seemed to challenge his own thoughts. He did not seem phased by the reality of sin and hell, but the seed is planted. So uh, sometimes I read stories to you and that it seems like, well, everybody comes to Christ and that's not true. Here was an opportunity, personal, spiritual, then gospel, but the gospel didn't phase. In other words, I think he spoke in the power of the spirit, but the spirit was not yet working in, in this person's life. Don't be discouraged by that. We never know when God is worker, how God is working. We step in and take the opportunity. Here was what was most encouraging. He finishes, praise God, this very morning I prayed for an opportunity to share the gospel. Although I didn't share it like a script, it was communicated. God is faithful. So where's it always begin? It always begins with prayer. So uh, can I have your eyes? We've been teaching the word about how we are instruments of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. Encouraged you to, that you would be ones who would say, I'm going to do what Jesus did and I'm going to do what the apostles did. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask every single day, Lord, give me an opportunity today. And then I'm going to step into those opportunities. Are we acting on the word of God? Are you hearing it and doing it or just hearing it? It's so important because, as we're going to see today, there's a transaction that happens when we deal with the Word of God. Not only the gospel, but the full Word of God. There's a delivering of it, and then there is a, a receiving of it. So we talked all last week about the delivery of the gospel. This week, we're going to talk about how the Thessalonians received the word and it's very much for every person here this morning that sense that when you come in here my goal is to deliver more than the gospel the gospel but the word of God to you and are you receiving it so let's look at verses six seven and eight and we'll see what Paul says about the Thessalonians receiving the word he says, you also became imitators of us and of who else? And of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say 
anything. So Paul's right there. That's where, as far as we're going to go. Because he speaks to how they received the word of God. And I just want to say from the start, if we would receive the word of God like the Thessalonians received the word of God, we would have a powerful influence in this city and beyond. That's what happened. Didn't that what he just said happened with the Thessalonians? That the they received the word and their faith has gone forth beyond them from everybody who's heard about them because of how they received the word. Because he said this, those who receive the word of God, two things happen. They will become more like Jesus. You receive the word and you became imitators not only of us, but also of the Lord. Verse six, you became more like Jesus because you received the word and an example to others. That was verse 7. And that example, verse 8, went even beyond those around them as their faith sounded forth. So, so you write that down. I want you to ask yourself this question. Is that what's happening to you as you come in week in week out as you take opportunity day in day out or a few times each week to open your bible and read it for yourself not just wait for somebody to teach it to you you read it for yourself is this happening that you are becoming more like jesus see if you receive the word you will become more like Jesus. If you receive the word, you will become an example so that other people will look to you and go, I want to be more like them. And here's why. Don't miss this. They, I want to be more like them because they're more like, you're more like Jesus. Okay? I want to have a marriage more like that because their marriage really reflects Jesus. That's what's happening because the Thessalonians did what with the word? They received it. Now, we have to understand receiving is far more than just hearing. Because is it really true everybody who hears the word is more like Jesus? Not at all. It doesn't say everybody who hears the word is more like Jesus. It says everybody who receives the word. So receiving involves more than hearing. What's the more than? Listen to brother of Jesus, James. He says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. So it, it demonstrates not only the power of the word, of what it can do for you, it says that to receive it, you need not only hear it, you need to hear it with humility. So when you came in here this morning, here in South or over North, when, when you are receiving the word, are you receiving it with humility? Well, what's that mean? Are you receiving it with the conviction that it's smarter than you? Are you receiving it with the conviction that it, it knows better than you? Are you receiving it with, the, with this, 
that I am under the authority, that what it says, I believe it even if it doesn't make sense to me. Because doesn't, isn't it true that we often read the scriptures and it's not just that we don't understand it, we understand it and we go, I'm not sure I agree with that. See, if you hear and conclude, I don't agree, you can't receive it because you're not humble. If you will, and here's the beauty of it, if you will receive the word of God in humility, recognizing not only your need for it, humble, I need, humility admits need, I need it, but it is of infinite worth. Then you'll be more like Jesus. And when you're more like Jesus, you'll be an example to others. So they received the word. Go back to verse six. You're still turned there. Having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Has the word of God ever been sweeter to you at some times than other times? Oh, absolutely. And oftentimes, the word of God is more precious to us when life is hard. Sometimes, when life is hard, it makes us hungry. And so life's hard, and so you open up your Bible, and you don't just read a chapter because you want to read a chapter, you read a chapter because you're hungry for what God has to say. You all know this. When does food taste best? Yeah, when you are hungry for it. You can eat a great meal, but if you're already full before you start it, you're kind of like, ah, ah. But man, if you're hungry, an average meal is great. You know, you can eat a hot dog or you can eat a hot dog. Or a hot dog or an ice cream. You, you, ice cream, if you love ice cream, you go, eh, that was okay. But man, you're like, ice cream. It's the same thing, but it, you experience it differently. That's true for the word of God. I know every one of you know that personally, that you experience the word of God differently at different times. And two things are at play there. First of all, part of what's going on in their lives is Hey, there's tribulation. And so they needed it. Uh, here's, the, here's kind of the funny part, if I can just speak real honestly to us, Christian Family Chapel. Two weeks ago, I said, hey, if your life's good, go ahead and stand up. And a bunch of you stood up, and I wouldn't. I was like, man, way to go. That's awesome. You didn't get Not way to go, like you had anything to do with it. It's just, that's great. Your life's good. Here's the problem with that. When your life's good, you don't walk into this room very hungry for this. Right? Oh, no, I know. Oh, yeah, no, I'm here. Yeah, I know. It's like mealtime, so you're supposed to show up. It's once a week mealtime. But I wonder how many people walk through the doors this morning saying, man, I am hungry to hear the word of God this morning. I can't, I can't wait to open up the scriptures and receive it because I need it. Or are we just doing church? Or are we just going, really? Are we still in 1 Thessalonians? How long are we going to stay in this first chapter? Great day. It's just, we're going to have steak again? Really? 
when we're not hungry, it makes all the difference how we receive the word. And they received it in much tribulation. In other words, they were hungry. With the joy of the Holy Spirit. In other words, even though their circumstances were hard, they were going, this is awesome. I'm hungry, and this is awesome. I wonder if you really think that this morning. I'm hungry, and this is awesome. Let's get to it. Or, what are we having for lunch? See, we all come into the room, either hungry or not hungry, and thinking, this is awesome, or thinking, eh, I hope it's a good one. Maybe you're here finding out. I wonder if it's a good one. Well, let me tell you, this is a good one. This is a good one. And it's even better when you're hungry. Because when you're hungry and you believe this is good, you'll receive it. And what will happen? Make you more like Jesus. And then what do people go? Man, I need to be more like them. It all is how you receive the word. If you're not tracking with me, I am, I am attempting to reorient our thinking about how we walk into the room, not just this morning, but how we walk into this room weekly. Am I hungry for the word of God? Am I just doing church? It tells me what I think about me and what I think about this. What they did is they were a dramatic, resounding example, becoming like Jesus because they received the word of God. They received it, recognizing their desperate need for truth. I need this. And the infinite worth of God's word. I need it. And it is so, so valuable. See, why do I need it? I need it because here's what the scripture said. Oh, I'm, I'm, I see 80% of the heads down writing, so I'll shut up. Okay. I need it because the scripture declares this. There's a way that seems right to me. But the end is death. I didn't make that up. You know where that is? <laughs> That's in that book that we want to receive. See, can you receive that? There's a way that seems right to me. But the end, death. I need the word of God. And it's of infinite worth. And therefore, I'm glad to be here. Come on, give it to me. I want to not only hear it, I want to receive it. Because here's the beauty of the promise of Scripture. I want us to go to Proverbs chapter 2, literally turn, because we're going to be here for the balance of our time. Proverbs chapter 2, so turn your Bibles, Old Testament, kind of a little bit before the middle. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to see a model 
of why the word of God is of infinite worth and why I think if we're clear thinking, we would every single one of us go, man, I'm hungry for that. All right? Proverbs 2 operates on a three-step process. I'm going to show you the overall structure of the chapter, and then we're going to look at it, each verse. The overall structure is this. It begins, first four verses, with this. If you do this, verses 5, 6, and 7, then you will, and then 8 through the rest of the chapter, the word of God will. So, if you will, then you will, then the word of God will. So, let's start at the central section, then you will, because both sides pivot on the then you will. Proverbs 2, verses 5 through 7 says this, Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. So it's right there in your message memo if you're taking notes that the heart of Proverbs 2 is this promise. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and you will discover knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Now let me just pause. I doubt there's anybody in the room that would go, yeah, I don't really want wisdom. I don't, I don't really need understanding. I think you do. And it was, I was reminded just a few weeks ago, I sent out to everybody in our database that attachment to the article written by Dr. Robertson McQuilkin, who had so impacted my life. And uh, for, grateful for those of you who opened up and read all eight pages. If you didn't, you ought to go back because a whole bunch of people were like, wow, this was so good. And the words were so insightful, so wise. Just even yesterday, a young man who runs a company was like, man, this is so instructive to me personally as I lead my life and as I help other people navigate difficult and painful circumstances in their lives. See, the, the point is, they were like, man, this is wisdom. And every single one of us, man, woman in this room, I think would say, I want to be wise. I want to have understanding. I want to be the person that, that people can go, you can trust their insight and their understanding of life and their wisdom of God. Here's the good news. Let me, let me have your eyes again, please. Because I really want every one of you to know this. Every single one of you can have God's wisdom, God's understanding, God's insight. Every single one of you. Some of you think, oh, I'm not that smart. That's not what we're talking about. Every single one of you. Wisdom is at your disposal. It is the promise. Then you will. It's in your reach. If you will. So if you will what? Here's the pathway to wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of God. Here it is. First four verses, Proverbs 2. My son, if you will receive my word. See, there's the word again. If you will receive it, not just hear it. If you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, 
Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, verse five, what? Then you will, yes. So the, the then you will is dependent upon if you do what? If you receive it, and then it unpacks it with this. If you will receive it and treasure it. If you will treasure it. Now, uh, from whenever, as long as we can think back, when people find treasure, what do they typically do with it? What? Yeah, they bury it. Why do they bury treasure? So they don't ever lose it. So this afternoon, I would like for you to all go bury your Bibles in your heart. See, the whole point of burying treasure is so you, no one can take it from you. And the way you treasure the word of God is that you'll say, I'm going to put it at a place where if they take my Bible, I still have the wisdom. I still have the truth. I'm going to put it into my mind and a memory, and I'm going to treasure it in my heart. And don't give me this junk. You can't remember it. I can't memorize. I'm too old. You're not too old. You memorize stuff all the time. You can. It all depends what you think of it. Because we memorize stuff that's important to us. We treasure it. You may go, so where should I start? Well, how about starting Proverbs 2? How about starting with, I'm going to put this in my heart. I'm going to treasure it because I believe that it will lead to me discerning the fear of the Lord and discovering wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Treasure, it means... I have a commitment to memorize it. And you can. Music helps put things to memory. Lots of folks know that. What else helps put something to memory? Just the reciting of it. Write it on a three-by-five card. But treasure it in your heart. Second, what did it say? Be attentive to it. If you will be attentive to it. See, it's attentive is about concentration. It, it's about not being distracted by other things. I, I was reminded recently how long it's been since I was responsible for a little child. For, one, for a long time, it was like my life. And, and then they grew up and I didn't have to be attentive to like a two-year-old. And then we had one of the grandchildren. And my wife, the attentive one, was gone. And I was responsible. And I was like, no problem. I got three projects. I can do the projects and do this. And then I was like, that little squirrel runs away like all the time. And I realized I could not do my projects and be attentive. Because I love my life, I was attentive. But attentive requires a 
laying aside of other things and not being distracted. I wonder, are you attentive to this? What, what if I said, well, yeah, I'll watch him. I'll watch him for an hour. You can leave him here. I'll watch him for an hour a week. Like you're attentive to the word of God an hour a week on Sunday morning. Wouldn't work, would it? No, it wouldn't work. So if I treasure my grandkids and I'm attentive to my grandkids, if I'm attentive, that means I can't be distracted by other things. And folks, we're just not very attentive to this. And because we're not, we're not an example. Because we're not more like Jesus. Receive the word is about treasuring it and being attentive to it. And it says, incline your heart to understanding. I think about leaning in to something. See, the incline, it's the, I lean into it. Some of you who are older, you know this. You've done this. Somebody said something to you. You didn't catch it. So what'd you do? Huh? Right? Huh? And you inclined into what they say because you needed to hear. And what all that the writer of Proverbs 2 is saying is when you hear the word of God, you, you lean your heart in to it. You don't just hear it with your ears. You, you lean your heart into it because you want, you want to be changed by it. You want to receive it. You don't want to just hear it. You want it to impact you. It makes all the difference how we come in here. Whether our heart is inclined toward it. We come in, we, got, we were up late last night, and so we don't... In, Incline a heart to it. We slept in. We didn't eat. We're yawning our way through. We're not receiving the word. I am pleading with you. Would you recognize this morning, I need the truth. I need it. I need truth. And this is of infinite worth. This is the truth of all truth. I need it, and therefore I incline my heart toward it, and I cry out for it. He says, cry for discernment. Lift up your voice to understanding. You cry for it. Some of you, you write that down. Some of you have had a pet, and that pet has disappeared and then you went out into the street or you went out into the yard and you cried out for your dog to come back to you you cried out for your pet and you went out or you attended an event to support a team and you cried out you lifted up your voice in support of that team right you shook your fist you jumped up and down you yelled because you wanted that team to win and you wanted that pet to come home and he's gone is anybody want this to be in their heart as much as they want their dog to come home. 
I mean, that's just absurd to think that we'd want our dog to come home. No offense to your dog. But that's absurd that we'd want our dog to come home more than we'd want this to be in our heart. But what do we cry out for? What do we lift our voice for? Man, I want this. Ultimately then, he says, if you will seek for it and search for it. He talks about silver and gold. But when it comes to seeking and searching in my life, I think about my remote control. <laughs> Ever been looking for yours? Pull back the seat cushion. Ah, oh, where is it? And then you're on the floor looking underneath the chair. Like, here. All right, who took it? All right. Uh, oh, did you take it? In? Where is the? And you start questioning people. You're looking around. We are like, I'm going to find it because my life depends on my remote control. Now, I know you wouldn't say that. You just, we act like we got to find it like that. Yes? Yes? Come on, you've all looked for your remote control like your life depended upon it. I know. And then there's this, that which is of infinite worth. And our remote control is often more important to us than this. So I'm not trying to beat us up. I'm saying, do we recognize that we, many of us, can get into a weekly habit of being in a setting where we hear the word, but we don't receive it. We don't treasure it. We don't cry out for it. We don't search for it. We just show up and we hear it, but we don't receive it. And because we don't receive it, then we're not more like Jesus and we're not impacting this community like we would if we were receiving it. Our faith isn't going out like it would if we were receiving it. Now here's the beauty. The scripture says, if you'll treasure, be attentive, lean into it, cry out for it, seek for it and search it, then you will discern the fear of the Lord. You'll discover knowledge and you'll discover wisdom and you'll discover understanding. And when you have knowledge, wisdom and understanding of the Lord and you have discerned the fear of the Lord, then you know what? Then the word of God will do this. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a, see, what does wisdom and knowledge and understanding do for you? He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and preserves, oh, I went too fast, and preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart, if you will, 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 then wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. Did you hear the words? If you'll do this, then the word of God will give you wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And what will wisdom do for you? Oh, there were so many. It will be the truth of his word will shield you. It will be a shield for you. It will guard you. 
These are just words straight from the text that we just read. It will be a shield to you. It will guard you. It will preserve you. Shield you, guard you, preserve you. And then he says, multiple times, will deliver you. You see the model? There is, for every person here this morning, the opportunity for discerning the fear of the Lord and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. It's just if you will, if you'll cry out for it, if you'll incline your heart to it, if you'll search for it and seek it, if you'll be attentive to it and treasure it, then you'll have it. And you know what it'll do for you? It'll shield you and protect you and guard you and preserve you and deliver you. See, when we... When we see the reward of that which we will reap, we go, what's wrong with me? Why do I not treasure that which has such a rich reward? Why do I not pursue that which will do so much for me? Why don't I come in here with a hungry heart, believing this is an infinite? I mean, I'm glad I'm here. I am so glad I'm here. I won't miss. Well, one of the things that it's been surprising to me, if I can just be honest with you, I've been really surprised by the number of folks who know they're going to miss on Sunday, but just dismiss. Oh, no, no, I don't go to church on Thursday. I don't do Thursday nights. You know, one of the reasons we did Thursday nights is not only for those who have to work on Sunday, it's for those, because I know we live in a culture where we're always traveling, that if you miss on Sunday, you can say, man, I need truth, and it's of infinite worth. I'll get it Thursday night. Oh, I don't do Thursday night. I just want to say, what, you don't like to be shielded, guarded, preserved, and delivered? You don't like that? I do. How how does it deliver you? I love the fact that, that the writer gives us a very specific example. He says, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. What's he ultimately saying? He's saying if you will seek and treasure and cry out for and be attentive To my word, you will have wisdom, and that wisdom and knowledge and understanding will protect your marriage. It'll protect from that which will destroy it. And oftentimes, the destroyed marriage is simply, you take it back to, there was no hunger for the word of God, no desperate need for the infinite worth of God's word that would wash, that would, would say to that man who might foolishly think, ah, I'd, be, I'd be better by getting out of this relationship. That other woman would be so much better. And the word of God would say to you in that moment, don't be that fool. And spare you. It would guard you if you would Receive it. But we can hear it and not receive it. And we, under, we wonder, oh man, I go to church, but it's not protecting my marriage. Receive the word 
and it will protect. It will guard. It will guard you from the inner destruction of unforgiveness. Because the scripture will say to you, forgive, forgive as you have been forgiven. And if you will receive that humbly, hungrily, if you will receive it as with then you will forgive as you have been forgiven. And you'll be set free because your forgive, lack of forgiveness is creating a prison that you live in that you don't have to. It'll protect you from destructive anger that gives a foothold for the devil in your life. It'll protect you from chasing wealth because the word of God, the wisdom of God, if you will receive it, will say to you, the love of money is the root of all evil and those who have chased after it have stabbed themselves, have pierced themselves. And we get messages all the time. Our culture is constantly telling us things that this would say, no, 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 that's not true. And friends, if you and I will receive it, it will shield us and protect us and guard us and deliver us. That is the power of the word of God. Now, you don't know this. Jesse doesn't know this. Jesse, I want you to come on up here. Uh, on your way up here, uh, grab that right over there, front chair. He doesn't know I'm doing this, so he has no day. Okay. <clears throat> he, he's got a... I should have picked a smaller guy. <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, we got a, a football here because when you think receiving, many of you probably think of someone who catches, who catches a ball, that receiving it. So he's going to be quarterback. I'm going to be receiver. And I'm going to visualize for us what happens in this room when I throw you the word of God. Because when I throw the word of God out here, there are different reactions to it. And I want you to find yourself here. So he's the quarterback. Step back maybe one step and do not bean me in the head as hard as you can. Okay. I just know you too well. So, all right. So, here, you, you, no, you can throw it overhand. All right. So, uh, you ever do that with the word of God? I threw it to you and you're like, you, you haven't said it out loud. You're too nice for that. But in your head, you went, no way. You rejected it. You disagreed. You slammed it away. Maybe, maybe that's what you're doing with the word of God right now. I said to you, treasure it, put it in your house, and in your heart, memorize it, Proverbs 2, and you went, bam. Maybe you don't do that. What did I do? I just let it bounce off me. I threw it to you. And you, you hear it, but it just bounces off and you walk right out the door. You didn't receive it. You, you didn't. You, you were too nice to just disagree. You just uh, hard hearted. Or maybe you're this guy. You act all attentive, you, you laugh at the right time, you look at me, but when the word comes to you, you go, whoop, you just let it slip right past you. 
Let it hit your spouse, you know? <laughs> get them, Doug, get them. You think, man, I wish my kids were here. They didn't need to get whacked by this. You, you don't let it hit you. You just sidestep it. Then you go, I don't do that. Okay, here's a test. For three months, from John 6, excuse me, John 4, we talked about life conversations. And we've been in 1 Thessalonians 1. We have talked over and over again about engaging with the lost, the gospel, right? I wonder, on April, what's today, the 7th? On April 7th, have you received for three months the word of God so that you are praying what we've talked about praying and you are actually engaging with people that in 2018 you'd engage with and you are speaking about spiritual things in the gospel in ways that you haven't before. Now, if, if you can't honestly say, wow, no, nothing's really, I, I actually, I mean, I've been moved and I've agreed but I haven't done anything. You've been sidestepping very politely, but you have not been receiving the word of God because receiving the word of God will make you more like Jesus and an example to others. Here's another habit we have, quarterback. We catch it. We go, yes, I agree. Monday, Tuesday, whoa. Ever done that? See, some of you are going to, I believe that the word of God is infinite worth and I need it Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh, Thursday. Ah, well, I tried. You took two days and then fumbled. Every, Every single one of us probably done that. Taken two days, and then fumble. We receive it, but we don't treasure it. We don't hold on to it. You see, what is true of the Thessalonians and what I hope would be for us is that we would hear the word of God, receive it, treasure it, believing that it will do what? Shield me, guard me, preserve me, protect me. So I don't want to fumble it. I believe it's of infinite worth and I desperately need it. I am not going to let it go. I'm going to receive it and I'm going to act on it. My marriage depends on this. My parenting depends on this. My future depends on this. My life depends on on receiving the word of God. This is what the Thessalonians did. This is what I'm pleading for us to not only come into the room differently, but to leave the room differently. Come in hungry, come in believing, and to leave having received and held on. All right, good quarterback. Thanks, man. Jesus tells this story. 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, hears and acts, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. The word heard and acted upon. The word received. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and the slammed against that house and it fell. Was not preserved, was not protected, was not delivered, and great was its fall. So every single person this morning walks out either a fool or wise. Really? Hey, you were wise to show up. But you'll walk out either foolish or wise, depending on what you do tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. See, wisdom is not immediately revealed. Immediate wisdom is revealed according to what you do with what Jesus has said, with what the word of God has declared to you. And I would plead with you, believe it. There was a time in my life where I thought the word of God built walls that were prison, that kept me from what I would really want. And I've learned that the word of God builds walls that protect me from what I really want. It's not a prison wall. It's a protective wall. The word of God is his gift to shield you, preserve you, and deliver you. So, Father, I pray that there would be wisdom sought and therefore your word received to the praise of your glory and certainly, therefore, to the fullness of our joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you go in the wisdom of the Lord? God bless.